Hi, my name is Jason Leahy, Executive Director of the Illinois Principals Association. Thank you for joining me for this IPA talk and fortunate to have with me Dr. Jennifer Kermis, who is the Executive Director of Teaching and Learning at the Illinois State Board of Education. So, uh, Jennifer, you've not you've had plenty of busy days here over the last uh, well twenty four months, right? Lots going on. We sure have. <laughs> in this, in we sure have. Well, we won't get into the obvious things that uh, maybe are on people's minds related to pandemic issues. However, uh, the reason I'm excited to have you here chatting with me a little bit is is maybe somewhat pandemic related, and and is something really that we've been contending with here in Illinois and and probably nationwide even pre-pandemic, and that's issues related to the educator pipeline. And I know that this is something that is of great interest to the state board and something that the agency has been studying for quite a while. And um, just very coincidentally or fortunately, uh, something came across my Twitter feed from from the Region 9 Comprehensive Center, uh, which used to be the Midwest Regional Centers. It's run by American Institutes of Research, AIR. That's right. Um, and uh, and now, now this reconstituted center covers the states of Iowa and Illinois. And the name of the study that they were, were uh, promoting that they had done some work on, a summary of findings from Illinois students, focus, student focus groups and, and teacher interviews related to the educator pipeline, and and I thought, well, I need to take a look at that. So I read through it and saw your name listed there as someone that they obviously shared some appreciation for because this was something that ISBE had uh, had initiated, and I know this is uh, something you're directly involved with uh, in your in your role. So I thought, hey, I'll just reach out to you, and you were gracious enough to to accept the invitation to come here and talk to me a little bit about this report and during our. Our conversation um, pre-recording, you shared that this is actually the second phase of a three-phase project that's going on. So we want to get into those things. But before digging into this research, I'd just like an, a quick opportunity to find out just a little bit about yourself because you you have uh, some experience in the school setting and former school leader and all of that stuff in your own right. So would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Not at all. Uh, so, yeah, so I uh, started my career as a teacher. Yeah. I was a high school science teacher, mm-hmm. uh, mostly chemistry, a little bit of physics, uh, and a, very occasionally some, some math, yeah. uh, you know. That's what I taught, by the way, just <laughs> so you know. I don't know if we ever connected on that, but there I know. you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I, I started in the classroom, did some instructional coaching as well in the school setting, which I loved. Uh, eventually decided that uh, could have a bigger impact as a school leader, and so did did that in Chicago, uh, in both Chicago public schools and in a charter. Okay, very good. And then now been with the state board for how long? For two and a half years, yeah. uh, so mostly pandemic time. Absolutely, uh, for sure. But Two and a half uh, of the longest years in the history <laughs> of education for all of us here, right? For sure. Yeah, for but sure. Um, but grateful to be at at ISB and and working specifically on on issues about strengthening and diversifying the educator pipeline because I think um, it's one of the most critical issues that there mm. is. So I'm happy to to be working on it and to have really great partners like the Region Nine Comprehensive yeah. Center to to help us. Um, think through this to help us learn what other states are doing and to help us really focus the work we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into it here with regards to this this research that they've done. Uh, so so as you as I referenced before and you shared with me previously, 
This is the second phase of a three-phase uh, effort. So can you help kind of set this up for us? What, what has occurred, or maybe more broadly, what are the, the goals and objectives of, of all phases together? And then uh, if you could kind of walk us through what happened during the first phase, where we are with, with phase two, and, and then where we might mm -hmm. be going with phase three. Yeah, so uh, if you're familiar with ISBE's strategic plan, mm -hmm. you know that goal three of our strategic plan is all about elevating educators mm -hmm. and really deals with um, a variety of goals and strategies uh, for strengthening and diversifying the educator workforce mm -hmm. uh, from you know, attracting individuals to the profession to recruiting them into educator preparation programs to preparing them to placing them and retaining them. And, and what this project is really about is making sure that we have uh, a deep understanding of all the nuances of the workforce, the educator workforce needs here in Illinois. Mm. Um, I think when we say shortage, uh, it can almost be a little bit misleading because in some schools there are definite both acute and chronic yeah. challenges with with staffing, you know, with having sufficient uh, educators to meet the needs of all the students. Uh, and in other schools, there actually aren't shortages. Um, you know, overall, the teacher workforce in Illinois has actually been growing. Uh, and there are some schools that, um, you know, may have fewer candidates than they used to, but um, but don't have unfilled positions and don't have, don't face some of the chronic staffing challenges that that other schools do. So, to get back to this project, it's really about making sure that we, from the from the state vantage point, have a good sense of the problem, you know, from the state perspective, but also a deeper understanding of 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 the components of educator shortage across that whole continuum from preparation all the way through to support and retention, um, but also understanding it in, in different ways, understanding how the different phases uh, look for educators of color, where the disproportionalities are in terms of enrollment, in terms of hiring, in terms of placement, how the problem looks um, different in rural schools from suburban and urban schools. And so, uh, so that's really what the first phase of the project was. It was looking at all of the data yeah. that we have at ISBE across, you know, from high school enrollment mm -hmm. all the way through high school, uh, through teacher yeah. retention. Um, and from there we identified, or we, we sort of described the problem in greater detail than just saying, you know, 2,000 unfilled positions. Right. Um, well, kind of, and so let me ask you yeah. kind of a follow-up question. I'm going to kind of circle us back here to, to as you were setting this up, is, uh, you know, people might be surprised, and I've heard this before, that the that the teacher workforce is actually growing. And, you know, we are continuing to graduate people and such. Um, and and so can, can you explain the, the nuance of that a little bit, if, if possible? Uh, just so people understand it and, and how that relates even a little bit. I guess the question would be is, is people would ask the question, how is that possible, right? Uh, so I don't know if you have a, a quick answer to that or not, uh, just from your perspective. Yeah, so I, I think that 
you know, when I say the workforce is growing, I mean, when we look in our employment information yeah. system uh, and look at the number of actual positions there are mm -hmm. for teachers uh, in particular, um, we see that each year over the, for the past five years, there have been more and more total You're talking positions. about numbers of, of people that school districts are employing. Yes. Okay, so that's a that's an important distinction mm -hmm. there, but I just wanted to make sure that we clarified, so I yes. appreciate that. Yes. Okay, all right. Yep, and so it it is absolutely the case that the number of teachers who are working in Illinois public schools is growing. Mm -hmm. It is also the case that there are still a tremendous number of schools who are experiencing significant struggles in finding yeah. candidates uh, to fill all their positions yeah. and to meet the needs that they have in terms of having sufficient staffing to teach their their students. Yeah. So you, you, as we were chatting just a little bit before we, we hit the record button, you were talking about this, and I, I absolutely agree with you of, of the importance of really framing this up as an equity-related issue. And I, I think the thing we have to be careful of is often when we think of equity, you know, we just, we put that in kind of the ethnicity box, right? Or, or, or look at it um, purely from, we've got to be careful with this, is just not putting that purely in, in how many black and Latinx teachers, though that is no doubt a real issue for us. We have significant disparities between the numbers of those educators versus our student population mm -hmm. right now. So we've got some work to do there. However, um, you know, you, you mentioned the real challenges with our rural parts of the state. That's right. The rural schools have the highest vacancy rate. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the number of unfilled positions uh, and you look at just the number, it is clear that most of the unfilled positions are in the more urban and suburban areas. But that is where there are far more positions mm -hmm. to begin with, both filled and unfilled. Interesting. But when you look very closely, district by district, school by school, at the number of unfilled positions over the total number of mm -hmm. positions, so when you look at it as a rate, you see that rural schools are, are have the many of the highest yeah. vacancy rates. Yeah. Um, and then when you think about it from the student perspective, um, it might mean a different experience uh, because if you're in a much smaller school, no matter what kind of community it's in, if mm -hmm. you're in a small urban school or a small rural school, if that school's math department, say, is only two teachers, and one of them is vacant, right. that may mean that, and that is the case, you know, for a couple of years, that may mean that a student, you know, only really gets yeah. a year or two of high school math taught by someone who is fully prepared to be a high school mathematics teacher. Well, and that's another thing I heard you say previously is about this issue being really localized, right? That obviously we have state policy levers, things that we needed to be taking a look at. But I think about my own school experience, and I was a small rural school, about an hour west of Springfield. I Riggsville. was a small urban school. Okay, well, there you go, right? <laughs> so, uh, and 
Now, my dad was my principal for 10 years of my life. I don't know if you had to, to endure that. But, my uh, kids have been in the school of which I was principal. Well, so go. I saw that one from the, the other, other side. side. <laughs> right, right. Like, I'm, if, they, if they ever need to have a little therapy session, I can help them with that. Uh, I might send them your way. That'd be great. <laughs> but, uh, but beyond all of that, though, so a small rural school, K-12, all in one building, 400 students. And I had <clears throat> basically one English teacher one math teacher through all four years of high school. In fact, I had them in eighth grade as well. So I had them pretty much through my entire high school experience. And fortunately for me, they were outstanding I, and very blessed in that. But if they were not there and it was you know me in front of a computer screen or whatever, that would have been a whole different kind of experience for me. So I, I can sure appreciate the whole mindset here that you know while we have to look at this from a state policy perspective to an extent, we, we really do have to be drilling down to what's happening local within within each school and within each school community. And, and it sounds like from the, the first phase of this research, that's one of the things that you are attempting to do. That's exactly right. Uh, it's a both and. Mm -hmm. And so we have, as a state, um, you know, implemented quite a few sort of state level policies to, you know, create general relief across all communities and, and all schools, or, or like in one case, I'm thinking about the removal of the basic skills yeah. test, right? Remove that barrier for entry into educator preparation programs mm -hmm. um, with the idea that, that then you will have more students enrolled, eventually more right. candidates finishing and more teachers to, to staff your, your schools. But I think we're in a phase now where, you know, there's not much more that we can do generally mm -hmm. uh, because the problem is so complicated and so localized mm -hmm. uh, but the state absolutely wants to support programs and policies and strategies right. that that send resources and supports to the places that need them most mm -hmm. um, you know what you just said about about the teacher that you had from eighth grade through 12th grade actually reminds me of something that came up in one of the focus groups. Mm. And I know we're not quite there yet, but sure, I'll, I'll sure. jump us there if that's yeah, okay. Absolutely, please do. Uh, so, you know, this, this, I'll back up for a second and just say that this, the study that um, sort of prompted this conversation or the report that prompted this conversation is a summary of focus groups and interviews yeah. that the Region 9 Comprehensive Center um, and ISBE worked on together to really try to get at some of the root causes mm -hmm. of these descriptions or components that we identified in the first phase. So if the first phase was about looking at data and understanding the problem, the second phase was about understanding why, yeah. understanding the root causes. And when we asked teachers about um, both teachers actively teaching in the profession and we were, we were intentional to interview teachers who had left the profession mm -hmm. and ask them why. Yeah. And one of the things um, that came up was around working conditions in rural schools mm -hmm. where new teachers, um, you know, because there are fewer students and the need to cover more different courses, right. the the planning load and the opportunity more subjects to teach, right? right more yeah. subjects to teach, and and lack of opportunity for um, for 
collaboration with someone else who is teaching mm -hmm. the same thing you are teaching. You are, you know, Dr. Ayala would say you are the only. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, there are a lot of situations across our state where many teachers, whether it's race and ethnicity or whether it's that you're yeah. the only chemistry teacher or the only um, mathematics teacher in a smaller school, um, where you are the only. And so, you know, there is not as many opportunities, there are not as many opportunities to, to get support from other teachers who can help you really hone your craft, who can help you with planning, who can help you um, with the kinds of things that make the work just a tiny bit more sustainable. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so- Having a friend always helps. Right? <laughs> right. I get it. Yeah, so that was one of the, one of the um, sort of findings, one of the things we heard repeatedly from um, from teachers reflecting on what some of the challenges were and why it might be the case that yeah. there are those higher vacancy rates, as, as well as other things like lack of accessibility to affordable preparation programs yeah. near to many of those communities. Mm -hmm. um, some people can't, um, you know, necessarily travel across the state and be a full-time college student at a four-year university right. straight out of high school. And that's that's the entry yeah. into the teaching profession is the bachelor's degree with the license. And so another opportunity that I think comes from this root cause analysis mm -hmm. um, or the root, the root causes in this report are the opportunities to, to do some systems level work around aligning, uh, aligning and streamlining pathways that start in high school, Absolutely. go into community colleges, and then finish in approved educator preparation programs, and then go back to those same districts. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, sort of very locally focused, contextualized early pathways programs that, um, that really are meant to meet the needs of, of teacher candidates who are going to serve in places yeah. of highest need. Well, and I, I think that's a, an important strategy and trying to figure out how we can get that done in Illinois because I, th I think right now we're seeing many, I mean, we, we're, we've had concerns for many years about our high school kids exiting, you know, out of state to go to school. So that's been an issue. Um, but I, I think we, we, because of technology and everything it now allows, we see people maybe that are staying here, but they're even seeking out of state opportunities in order to do their, you know, their preparatory work and all mm -hmm. of that. And, and uh, you know, I'm not here to stir up the, the pot of that because there's there's a lot of uh, at, at play with regards to it. But I do think it behooves us as a state to really be serious about what you describe of how can we connect what's happening in these local communities with higher ed and figuring mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. you know, what's the it's it's the the Coldilocks philosophy here of just hitting just just right, making sure that our preparation is still rigorous but making sure that it's appropriate for, you know, the needs of, of the candidates and, and making sure that we, you know, provide them the kind of experience that they're looking for and will help them get through. And that's very complex and mm -hmm. I'm sure I understand that because we're dealing with that obviously in, in principal preparation uh, right now as well. Um, when, when you're looking at, looking at the data here you, and you talked about, you know, recognizing this as a, a localized kind of issue and, and I absolutely agree with that. Did, um, especially from, from those that are currently serving as teachers, and maybe the, the young people thought of this as well, um, 
you know, you, you've referenced a lot about what's happening within the school building, but I'm curious about, you know, as we look at this as a broader economic development kind of an issue, did, uh, did anybody report out about concerns about going, let's say, to rural parts of the state because there's not a movie theater close by or, or you know, I, I can't get on a highway closely to be able to jump to run to, to St. Louis or up to Chicago or, or something like that. I'm just curious if anything like that came up for any, anyone as well. We did hear uh, many teachers and students attending rural schools felt like, you know, other people don't want to come live here. Mm -hmm. um, so I couldn't say for sure that that is what is sort of driving people away from yeah. certain kinds of communities. But I, I think um, certainly living conditions and working conditions mm -hmm. were themes that came up again and again. Yeah. Um, and the research is, um, is, is pretty compelling that teachers who, um, who serve in schools that are near to or that are right in the communities from which they, they came right. tend to stay there, yeah. uh, tend to be retained at, at much higher rates. And so that's why I think this, you know, this highly contextualized approach to, mm -hmm. to preparing teachers makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, certainly we could, you know, I'm sure somewhere, somewhere thinks, thinks it's a, a great idea to like have a big like teach rural campaign, oh, sure. like yeah, with yeah. billboards and flashy yeah. advertisements, mm -hmm. but um, you know, but there's not a lot of evidence that um, that that gets at the root yeah. cause of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and so, really, in, you know, one of the the findings that that we one of the sort of reflections, I guess, that we heard again and again from teachers is that the reality of the job mm -hmm. did not match their perception yeah. of the job or the reasons that they were going into teaching. And so I think, you know, this is, as you've said, a very complex right. sort of puzzle here because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not really an awareness problem um, per se, and we don't want to send mixed messages about right. what the job is mm -hmm. or give people the wrong idea about what it is. And there are certainly, you know, there's tremendous work that we can and, and need to still be doing in terms of, um, you know, creating the kinds of working conditions, yeah. organizational capacities um, and contexts in mm -hmm. which teachers can feel valued, can thrive, can feel, um, you know, welcomed and included across across the state. And that's really important work too. And so, you know, all of this has to kind of happen simultaneously. Yeah. Like yeah. we, you know, we can't ignore working conditions, nor can we like run a PR campaign right. about how great teaching is, you know, the, yeah, the hard's it, still like, hard, right? right? I mean, that, yeah, absolutely. Right, and if that that you know nets us you know ten thousand more people in ed prep, mm -hmm. like what will it matter if when they get to the classroom, yeah, they're what they're expecting isn't what yeah. you know isn't, or what they were prepared for isn't what mm -hmm. they actually experience? I think this alignment all the way through the pipeline is really important. Yeah. There are, you know, we we do have data that suggests that there are 
a lot of young people who really are looking for opportunities yeah. to have careers where they can be of service. Absolutely. And where they can make a difference in mm. communities. And there are plenty of young people who, who say that they absolutely want to be educators. Mm -hmm. And I think it's up to us to ensure that there are accessible, affordable, streamlined, sensible pathways yeah. for them to go through to help them realize those dreams. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, knowing you know the research around young people today and wanting to do meaningful work, it just doesn't get much more meaningful That's than, right. than being an educator for sure. So, so I've got through this conversation many many questions I could be asking, but um, uh, you know I would would invite people obviously to read the report. So I'm going to pivot us to looking at phase three and and uh, you know what's to come here in, in this this next round of research that's being done. Yeah. So after we did this root cause phase, we, you know, again, to compile the report, it was based on focus groups with students and interviews uh, with, with practicing teachers, with teachers who were no longer teaching, and actually with kind of an interesting group of, of individuals who got, who went through preparation and got their license, but never taught mm. in Illinois public yeah. schools. So trying to figure out what was happening there. Um, and so we used all of the great things that we heard from all those focus groups and interviews and conversations to think about what the root causes are. And then we, we pulled together a sort of larger stakeholder group that also had um, still some educators in it, but also stakeholders and advocates and other sort of more policy folks to take a look at these root causes and, and, and ask the question, you know, does this seem right mm -hmm. um, to sort of do a gut check? Yeah. Um, is anything missing? And of course, I mean, of course it's right because these are focus groups interviews. So these are yeah. real people. These are their perceptions, um, their experiences mm -hmm. that they have decided to share with us to make sense of, which, you know, is great, <laughs> you yep. know, especially in the midst of a pandemic that these folks, these teachers and students gave their time to help us mm -hmm. develop a more nuanced understanding of of these challenges is, is tremendous. Absolutely. Um, so after the root causes, we, you know, we did take a look at, at the report with a sort of larger subset of, of folks and, and added a few things mm -hmm. that, and, and expanded on a few things. And now uh, what we're doing is, um, We've, we've since done some mapping of, uh, of all of the components of the shortage as we understand them from the data analysis mm -hmm. uh, and all of the strategies that we know of, yeah. um, many of which ISBE is obviously very directly involved in administering or leading, um, but also there's a lot of other great strategies and initiatives across the state um, that are happening um, that ISBE is not directly involved in, but that that certainly you know play a role in mm -hmm. in addressing uh, addressing staffing challenges. And so, um, so we took a look at all the strategies we have in place, and we we're really thinking about where we have some gaps, where we have opportunities to do more, what the more might be, what what the research would suggest. Um, you know, has worked in other places and looking at, again, drawing that like really straight line mm -hmm. between what the data tells us the problem looks like, what the root cause 
analysis tells us about why it's happening and the strategy needs to address the root cause. Um, and so thinking about where there are additional opportunities yeah. for, you know, for systems level work, whether that's, you know, encouraging additional um, pathways programs like we talked about right. earlier that involve partnerships between districts and community colleges mm. and ed prep programs, um, you know, work that we're doing uh, with educator preparation programs to diversify their enrollment. Right. Um, that work is really informed by this project. Yeah. So, you know, this project isn't one that is, you know, we're doing it, we're checking things off and we're getting it done. This project is really about making sure that everything that we're doing in this space, that every, um, you know, every initiative we propose or every program that we tweak in some way or try to scale in some way or try to introduce is is rooted in what we know to be true of the problem and yeah. is sending resources um you know to where they really need to go right right you know rather than just a shotgun approach right so just throwing it out there and seeing what sticks that though there's sometimes i think a place for that but but trying to be be focused uh, with that so when when do you expect jennifer that we'll see the outcomes of that uh, report? Well, I think this, you know, the third stage we're in now, um, I, you know, I think that in the next couple of months, we will have sort of the full map. And then, like everything else, we'll have some, you know, some decisions to make about, right. um, you know, which programs do we already have that are, that are doing exactly what we want them to do and right. are working. Um, how do we sustain those? Um, which programs maybe, you know, had the right intention, but something has gone yeah. um, maybe not quite the way we intended in implementation, maybe because of COVID, maybe not. Right, right, uh, and right. how do we um, make sense of what's what's happening and, and decide how to, you know, be even more strategic. But yeah. again, all of this really, this work really comes back to informing the agency's strategic plan as a whole and thinking about goal three, which, um, you know, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not going to get it exactly right here. <laughs> right. But but when I think about goal three of the agency's strategic plan, which, you know, drives my work and the work of so many of my colleagues every single day, it's, it's really about ensuring that every single student in every single school has access to a teacher who is well prepared to meet their needs. Yeah. Um, and we need to do that through a variety of different preparation programs, mm -hmm. uh, through a variety of different you know, pipeline strategies, mm -hmm. and through also attending to retention, right? right? To taking a look at why- It's better to keep them, right? It's right. more cost effective and everything like that if we can keep individuals yep. in those seats, for sure. Yep. And so, so that's that's what this is about. This, you know, this isn't a, a separate, isolated project. Yep. It's about, you know, continuing to do the work of making sure mm -hmm. that Illinois students have an educator workforce that is ready to meet their needs, yeah. um, that is, you know, sufficient size, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that, you know, that reflects the dimensions of diversity that we have in Illinois that is more racially and ethnically diverse. Right. Um, 
and and you know teacher shortage is an equity issue that's right it absolutely is it's maybe the, the equity issue um it, you know and and it's a covid issue too that's right. because how do we recover how do we you know renew and enter this new phase of of education as we yeah. you know continue moving forward without the educators yeah. they are they're key to any strategy mm -hmm. you know anything you can buy with american rescue plan act dollars right. Right. you need educators to implement those strategies and so you know the workforce is the key teachers educators are the key yeah, I totally agree. And uh, of course, we, we need people in order to do the work. And it's nice for us to, to be able to start getting focused back in on these critical issues as we hopefully are, fingers crossed, putting the uh, the pandemic behind us, even though we're, we're dealing with the effects of that. Well, thank you for your time. And you're, I'm sure grateful that you're willing to talk with us, you know, through the research that's being done and, and then looking at how, you know, the, the, the research that's being done can help inform you know the things that need to be happening moving forward and and uh, just the concrete um, nature of it too that you know we're looking at at real things real solutions uh, for our schools rather than you know versus just though there's a place for policy um, if we don't see that trickle down and have a positive effect on what's really happening on the ground then then it's not very helpful for us right so I'm I'm sure grateful for that. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we'll have to my pleasure. Do this again thanks. sometime. Yeah, yep, thanks for having there. me. I would love to pleasure. to talk to you about um, where we go from here and yeah. what happens next. Well, let's get the uh, next report out, and and we can look at doing that for sure. I'm always glad to have a fellow former chemistry teacher on. Uh, on my Anytime. <laughs> All right, my name is Jason Leahy, Executive Director at IPA, joined by Dr. Jennifer Kermis, who is the Executive Director of Teaching and Learning at the Illinois State Board of Education. As always, if there's anything that IPA can do for you, don't hesitate to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.ilprinciples.org. Take care. <laughs>